Hello, everyone, and welcome into the second episode of Hooked on Fantasy. I'm your host, Luke Sawhook, and we have a lot of fun stuff to talk about today. Now, nothing too huge has been coming out of the NFL news front recently. However, we do have some more speculation to come, uh, a little bit of redraft talk, and a little bit of dynasty projection. So thank you guys so much for joining me live, and this episode will be coming out on streaming platforms tomorrow, and uh, we will have our normal schedule starting to go forward of every Tuesday and Thursday, year-round, on all streaming platforms. We're still waiting on Apple Podcasts to be approved because that approval process takes a little while longer because it's a bit more rigorous. Um, but Google Podcasts, Spotify, uh, TuneIn, a bunch of other player, uh, player FM, a bunch of other podcasting websites will have uh, Hooked on Fantasy available for you to download and listen uh, tomorrow. So we'd appreciate a, a review, a follow, uh, downloading the episode and giving them a listen every Tuesday and Thursday year round. Um, that would mean a lot. Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate the love and support on Hooked on Fantasy so far. And with that being said, let's get into the episode. So up first on today's agenda, um, let's talk about some second-year breakouts. Uh, I'm a big Dynasty player first and foremost, but I also absolutely love redraft. I'm a bit of a mix of 50-50 over here on Hooked on Fantasy. Uh, so in season, we'll be covering mostly redraft from a bit more of a Dynasty angle, if that makes sense. Um, some certain Dynasty topics and looking at players kind of from a Dynasty angle and from a redraft perspective as far as their season-long projections, future projections, waiver wire, etc., um, but off season, like now we'll be doing some dynasty and some redraft segments to kind of prep you for this coming season and for the seasons beyond for your dynasty leagues and rookie drafts, uh, some prospect talk, etc. So up first, we have some second year wide receivers. The wide receiver class from 2019 or 2020, I should say, sorry, uh, was a very strong CD lamb, Jerry, Judy, Chase Claypool, a bunch of really talented guys. But a lot of these guys haven't had the highest level of fantasy success yet. If anything, the only two I think you could say are really uh, well, Justin Jefferson destroyed the league. However, CeeDee Lamb had a great year, but he didn't have Dak Prescott for a lot. And when Dak Prescott wasn't on the field, he wasn't necessarily fully elite. Like everyone thought he had the capability of being. Uh, for a rookie wide receiver, he was very good. Uh, but we definitely would like to see CeeDee Lamb take a step forward. But what I'm getting into today is, no, we're not I'm talking about CeeDee Lamb as a potential breakout. We all know that CeeDee Lamb is going to have a good year. Sure, he might not crack the top 10 or anything crazy, but I do think CeeDee Lamb is heading in the right direction this season. Uh, some guys I do want to talk about, though. Uh, first, we have Jerry Judy. Jerry Judy was a very highly touted prospect coming on out last season. He had one of the best route running profiles any analyst had ever seen before. Uh, I heard that from various people in the, in the industry that are full-time scouts or draft analysts, and they thought that Jerry Judy was extremely polished, a high-quality product as a player, as a prospect, and he was going to immediately translate to the NFL. And he did. He did do a very good job. However, he didn't really take that leap uh, in his first year that everyone thought he would. And I do think that, well, obviously he has a Drew Locke problem. We all know that Drew Locke is not the best. Sorry, uh, sorry, Linda. or uh, Is it Cooter or Linda? I forget. Linda, I think it's Lindellian that's obsessed with Drew Locke. Uh, on Twitter. Uh, Drew Locke is not the guy, in my opinion. I'm sorry, but I think that he is a major issue for that offense moving forward. But Jerry Judy is a great player. And I think that Cortland Sutton going down so early in the season really did not benefit him in his long-term outlook because Jerry Judy, while he is very good, a rookie getting double teamed constantly on the outside with not much help. I mean, they have great weapons. You have Noah, Noah Fant, KJ Hamler, uh, that uh, what's the other guy's name that, that filled in really well last season? That guy had a bunch of like intermediate games that were that was pretty solid. Tim Patrick, sorry, Tim Patrick had a nice year as well. Uh, but Judy, I think, will I expect him to take a nice stride forward to that star kind of status as a real life NFL wide receiver? Tim Patrick, thank you, Chad. I see you guys saying that for the live recording group right now. Um, but yeah, Judy, I, I really expect him to take a step forward next season with the return of Cortland Sutton across from him. 
we all know how important it is for uh, NFL wide receiver duos to have a partner in crime. You look at Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster when Juju was having elite production days a little while ago. The duo of wide receivers is extremely important. Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. There's so many in the NFL. However, last season, Judy didn't have his partner. It was just Jerry Judy and some guys who were good for sure. But Cortland Sutton is a very, very good real-life NFL wide receiver. I think people kind of underrate how talented he is sometimes. He's a legit wide receiver one in the NFL or a very dang good wide receiver two. And I think that that really takes some pressure off of Jerry Judy. He struggled with drops last season. He got a lot of targets and didn't have the most productive year. However, he was still solid. And I think that we can really see him hopefully take a step forward uh, from cementing himself as a wide receiver two to maybe being a fringe wide receiver one by the end of the year. And that's what I'm really hoping for Jerry Judy. We have a comment from the one, the only Maddie Daddy. Uh, where do I stand on Henry Ruggs? Um, I like Henry Ruggs as a prospect, as a player. I think he's a bit of a one-trick pony. Um, but I do think he needs some pieces around him. I'll get into a guy, uh, Jalen Rager, here in a moment. And I think that it's kind of a similar situation for him and Jalen Rager. I think Ruggs showed flashes last season. I think Henry Ruggs has potential to be a good NFL wide receiver. However, the Las Vegas Raiders have Darren Waller, who's a really, really, really good tight end. But on the outside and at wide receiver, you have Hunter Renfro, who's a solid slot wide receiver, a little bit of a Cole Beasley kind of guy. Uh, but he's never really going to you know, pull number one corners or double team you downfield or anything like that. Ruggs... What's hurting Ruggs is the, the lack of a, a Vegas Raiders true wide receiver that's going to take attention away from cornerbacks and safeties downfield. So when Henry Ruggs goes deep, he's getting past everybody, but that safety's doubling him. You know what I mean? The corner one-on-one, he's getting toasted downfield, but that safety's always coming over to double over the top. And unless they get another wide receiver to pair him with, uh, like Devonta Smith and Jalen Rager, which I'm going to touch on here in a moment, I don't think Ruggs is ever going to be more than a wide receiver three with, uh, with upside. That's, that's that's all I think. What hurts Ruggs is he's not good. Derek, I appreciate that. I know. I get it. Ruggs is not the best. He's really not that good. But I think his best case scenario is he gets some complimentary pieces around him. And, oh, hang on one second. I'm going to have to edit this. Okay, that's the one perk of recording live. My uh, The Xbox party I had muted in the background. My controller died and um, came through. Anyway, back to it. Thank you guys for still watching. <laughs> um, Henry Ruggs is not very good, but I do think he has potential if they put complimentary pieces around him. I think that Nelson Aguilar actually was a decent receiver for them last season, but they need more than you know uh, Nelson Aguilar uh, to to really give Henry Ruggs an opportunity to succeed. They did try to get Juju Smith-Schuster in free agency. And I thought that honestly might've been a really good move for them. And uh, he did not sign there, but oh well. Uh, I'm a Steelers fan, so I'm okay with that. But for fantasy, Juju in Las Vegas would have been really nice in my opinion. Um, but Ruggs, yeah, I don't think he's very good. But if he gets the right pieces around him, he definitely could produce for fantasy. Um, thanks for the question, Maddie. Daddy. appreciate you, bro. Up next uh, on the agenda here, we have – I'll just jump into Jalen Rager. He's the last guy on my list, but we'll just move into him now because I brought him up. Uh, Jalen Rager. Uh, I was never really a big Jalen Rager fan. I wasn't really in the fantasy industry as much last season uh, by the time of like rookie race, uh, rankings and prospect rankings really started to come out and be published and all that jazz. Um, I always thought Jalen Rager was a second-round talent for an NFL draft perspective at wide receiver. 
Um, I was not very happy when the Philadelphia Eagles reached on him. I thought that they were going to get Justin Jefferson. Everyone in their mother dra- uh, mocked Justin Jefferson to the Philadelphia Eagles last season. And boy, was that a bad move looking back on it. Um, <laughs> passing on the best rookie season by a wide receiver in NFL history for Jalen Rager. Uh, that's pretty rough. However, kind of like Henry Ruggs, they needed a guy to compliment him. The Eagles wide receiver room last year was one of the worst in the NFL. Jalen Rager was it. It was Jalen Rager, Zach Ertz, and Dallas Goddard, and Zach Ertz was banged up. Carson Wentz was playing horribly, and Rager did not do much to help him because Rager also missed a lot of time due to injury. And when he was on the field, he was not very productive anyway. He showed some great flashes, but he didn't really do too much. I wouldn't even say great flashes. He showed some good flashes. For fantasy, he showed some good flashes. Not great. And I think the addition of Devonta Smith cannot be understated for Jalen Rager because you're getting a guy kind of similar to what I said about Henry Ruggs, uh, I do think Rager has a bit more dimensions to his game than Henry Ruggs does. I think he has more ability to like take a screen, uh, get a slant, get some drags, stuff like that. He's not the best route runner, but he can do it. Um, Devonta Smith, though. Devonta Smith is one of the best pure route runners I've seen on film. He's an all-around superstar wide receiver. I really think the only hindrance for his game is going to be quarterback play or injury. And if he's even out there, even if the quarterback play is bad, Devonta Smith will be taking all the attention from corners and safeties. Sure, Rager might get some attention down the field, but it's going to open up the underneath game for him so much more. And I think that's going to be really, really valuable for Rager to get some more dump offs that he can try to take for long distances. And those deep bombs, sure, he might not be wide open because he's going to be getting uh, some attention from the safeties. But having that true wide receiver to pair him with in Devonta Smith, opposed from like the old man the shell of a human that was Alshon Jeffrey or Deshaun Jackson's corpse or whatever, whoever they're putting out there on the Eagles these days. Um, Devonta Smith is light and day differences from last season for Jalen Rager. And I think Rager, if given a fair shake this year, could produce a lot better than people expect. I don't think he has a ceiling outside of the top 20 wide receivers. Um, but I think, I mean, if you, if I woke up tomorrow and you told me that Jalen Rager had a breakout season and finished inside the top 24, I believe you. I mean, I think there's a very realistic possibility that that could happen. I think he is a talented prospect. And if given some more time to develop a full season of playing time, a preseason, people forget how valuable a preseason is for new players, not even just on new teams, but rookies, especially they didn't have a preseason last year. They were just thrown in the, uh, the regular season. And while it doesn't sound like that much of a difference, it really, really matters because not only does the coaching staff get to give a bigger feel for what the rookies can do, it gives them more trust in the rookies, it gives them more playing time, it gives them more experience to you know try things out in the playbook, and coaching staffs didn't have that last season. And I think that getting rookies more snaps and second-year players more comfort time uh, into getting with the playbook, the coaching staff familiarity, the trust uh, is huge, and they didn't have that last year. So this year, I think that obviously Rager cemented his role on the Philadelphia Eagles as their wide receiver too. But this season, I would like to see a step forward from him. And I think it's certainly possible because there's a lot of vacated targets there. Well, not even vacated. I mean, there are vacated targets, but there are just so many targets that can go around to more talented players because the depth chart is just filled with cobwebs. And Jalen Rager with Devonta Smith, is it's great opportunity. I mean, that pairing could be really, really good for a long time if Rager breaks out. So definitely interested to see what happens there. Up next, we have Michael Pittman Jr. out of the Indianapolis Colts. Michael Pittman, he showed – I think he looked good on film last season. When I was watching him play, he looked good. Um, the big thing for him last year was the lack of the deep ball and that offense with Phillip Rivers. 
Uh, Rivers, kind of similar to how Big Ben was last season. The deep ball was just not there. Uh, didn't throw it deep. The A dot was pretty low for Phillip Rivers last season. And Michael Pittman, kind of similar to Chase Claypool, was more of a big-bodied vertical threat-wide receiver, in my opinion. And I think if you add that extra dimension to Michael Pittman Jr.'s game, it really, really changes the game for him big time. Uh, he also only had, I believe, one touchdown last season or two. So there's no way in hell that that guy's going to get less than that. I mean, he's a red zone threat guaranteed, in my opinion. He He's a big body guy. He has a great jump ball. And I think Pittman Jr. is bound to have a better season this year, especially if Carson Wentz, even if he sucks for real life, Carson Wentz will air the ball out a lot more than Phillip Rivers did. And T.Y. Hilton's still there, and he'll provide a bit of a wiggle that you know gives the quarter some attention. Paris Campbell, don't sleep on him either. He's a solid wide receiver. Tight ends are pretty mad there, except for uh, Gigantor, as the fantasy footballers call him. Um, <laughs> that, that, that tight end down there, Mo Ali Cox. But I think Michael Pittman does have he if he breaks out in a big way and takes a big step forward and connects with Carson Wentz, he could see a massive target share in Indianapolis. And Frank Reich is no idiot. He's a really good offensive-minded head coach. And I think that Pittman could see a lot of red zone targets and have a bit of a Mike Evans-ish kind of role for that team. And I would love to see that for Michael Pittman Jr. If he scores anything over six or seven touchdowns next year, that guy's going to definitely have a breakout year. And I think it's very attainable for him. And I, I just really think that Michael Pittman Jr.'s stock is really low right now. I'm buying him everywhere I can. I've tweeted about it a few times. If you follow me on Twitter at Luke Sawhook, um, go check it out. I, I just really think that Michael Pittman Jr., has a big opportunity this year. And if he if he answers the door that is being knocked on, <laughs> I think Pittman could have a really good year too. On to my last second-year breakout wide receiver candidate, it's Chase Claypool. Claypool, I think you could argue that he already did break out last year. I mean, he finished inside the top 24. I don't know if he finished more higher or lower than C.D. Lamb, but I do think that uh, Chase Claypool, kind of like Michael Pittman Jr., has a lot of opportunity. So the Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiver trio is a very good one. You got Michael Pittman. Sorry, no, <laughs> Michael Pittman's on the mind. Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson, and um, Juju Smith-Schuster. Obviously, the targets are being taken up by these three really talented wide receivers. Big Ben isn't getting any younger, I know. However, there is not really a dominant stud wide receiver in the Steelers offense. Chase Claypool is either going to give you more of the same or have a wide receiver three fringe wide receiver two season with a lot of touchdowns, or he's going to be a high wide receiver two fringe wide receiver one. And I think that we can see him take that leap because he's extremely talented. The offense really runs through him in the red zone. If you watch Steelers games, they love giving him the ball in his hands in the red zone. They love it. Love it. Because they know that he has like some of the best contested catch ability on the team. He can get you a rushing touchdown, which happened a few times last year. And he has really strong hands, which the Steelers love. They love a pair of strong hands. And Claypool has big old strong man hands. And I really just think that Claypool can have a big step forward if he asserts himself as more of an alpha wide receiver for that team. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster will seeing will be seeing a little bit more out, uh, time on the outside, according to some Steelers beat reporters. But I think that Claypool and Ju sorry Claypool and Deontay have asserted themselves as the outside receivers for that offense, and that's where the fantasy production lies. That's why Juju has not produced much in the slot for this team. When he was younger, he was on the outside playing with Antonio Brown, and he was putting up gaudy numbers. Now he's on the inside. Claypool and Deontay are the show now in Pittsburgh, in my opinion, for fantasy football. And if Deontay or Claypool take a step forward, that will be huge. 
for fantasy football applications. And I think that Claypool is the guy who is more inclined to do so, in my opinion. I think Deontay Johnson's a great wide receiver, but I think he hovers around that wide receiver 18 range for a very long time. I think he'll be a guy who's more of a possession reception kind of guy rather than touchdowns and superstar uh, for fantasy football purposes. And I think that Chase Claypool uh, could be more of a Mike Evans type wide receiver who gets a lot of touchdowns, gets a lot of chunk yardage on field and could take a real step forward and develop himself as an alpha. So with that being said, those are uh, that's a list of the second-year wide receivers. I think that that could be eligible for some breakout potential. Keep an eye on Gabriel Davis in Buffalo as well. Really talented guy who could develop alongside Stephon Diggs in Buffalo uh, with Josh Allen. I think he's another great buy-low target right now, uh, especially in redraft. He's a great last pick of the draft, in my opinion. Really, really good choice. All right, uh, moving on to some redraft content here. Uh, going into my favorite late round targets at a couple positions. I have three running backs and two wide receivers. I want to talk about today. Uh, let's go for the running backs first here for the running backs. Uh, three of my favorite late round targets are Ronald Jones. Uh, sorry. I was about to list them all, but I realized that was a dumb idea because I'm going to talk about them one by one. Uh, Ronald Jones up first, uh, out of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He is perennially disrespected. Uh, Ronald Jones is a very above average talented NFL running back. He is very productive. He's very fast. He has abilities to rip off really long touchdown runs. And I think that this team really got to come around to Rojo and what to expect from him uh, in the postseason last year. I think Rojo had a great postseason combined with Leonard Fournette. And I think he's, he's primed for another a minimum top 24 season, in my opinion. Uh, and the way he's going in ADP and redraft leagues right now, it's gross. Uh, if you are a zero running back guy out there, Ronald Jones and Kareem Hunt are your friends this year. So, so your friends. And Mike Davis. Kareem Hunt is going at the end of the sixth round or seventh round. And same with Rojo. And those two guys, if you get stud, stud wide receivers and tight ends, that's that's all you need. Those guys will give you consistent week-in, week-out production, especially Kareem Hunt. And Rojo will give you really big weeks, really small weeks sometimes. But he's a consistent flex play, especially if you can get him at that kind of range for your team. I think Ronald Jones is primed for another good year and he's being disrespected big time right now. I don't really understand why his ADP is so much lower than the value production that he'll provide your teams with. And I think that Ronald Jones, it's a no brain ad for a lot of your fantasy teams. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense is one of the most high powered units in the NFL, not only for real life, but for fantasy football purposes. And guess who's going to get a lot of those goal line carries Ronald Jones. This offense is going to be moving. It's a well-oiled machine with Tom Brady all of those returning starters on offense and on defense, the Buccaneers are a machine and they're going to put up points on that scoreboard. And you're going to want a piece of it with Ronald Jones at his late, late, late uh, average draft position right now. Up next, we have James Conner. Listen, James Conner is kind of like my Kwame Brown. If I'm Stephen A. Smith, right? He's not good. End of story. In my opinion, James Conner, I have a t-shirt of, of his in my room right now. I swear to God in my bedroom, James Conner, number 30 on my back. He's not the best NFL running back. He is above average at everything. Receiving, pass blocking, running through the tackles, goal line, whatever. Well, maybe not goal line. He, he, he kind of sucks at goal line, not going to lie. But anyway, he can do it all. He is a running back a lot of NFL teams would love to have on their roster. For fantasy, though, he needs a lot of carries. He needs a lot of touches, and he needs goal line carries. And the reason I'm in on James Conner at his ADP is because I think that he will be the guy toting the majority of the carries for the Arizona Cardinals offense, especially at the goal line with his big body build. 
And that team, similar to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, as I was just talking about, will be putting up a lot of points, getting a lot of trips to the goal line, to the red zone. And I think James Conner will get, has a very realistic possibility to get upwards of 10 touchdowns this season. If that happens, he'll be a stud. Listen, obviously I know Chase Edmonds is a good running back. I like Chase Edmonds a lot. I think there's potential for him to be a true RBBC kind of thing in Arizona with James Conner. But I do think that James Conner is the likely candidate to take the majority of the carries there. And if that happens, I think Conner could be a really solid running back and like round eight-ish or so in redraft leagues right now. He'd be a really, really good RB3 or RB4 on your redraft teams. Really, really like him. My last uh, redraft late round target of running back is Trey Sermon uh, for the San Francisco 49ers. Trey Sermon coming out of Ohio State. I really liked his film. Um, it's in, the Steelers did not draft Najee Harris. Thank God that they, they did draft Najee Harris. I'm, I love you, Najee. I'm so sorry that you almost were not drafted by the Steelers. I, I love you. I love you so much. Anyway, if they did not draft, if they did not draft Najee Harris and waited until the third round for a running back, Trey Sermon was the guy I wanted. Trey Sermon is a nice upright, powerful runner with one cut ability. And I think he fits right into Kyle Shanahan's offense. Kyle Shanahan will probably be starting the year off with Raheem Mostert. But the reason I'm in on Trey Sermon is because once he gets all those carries in the back half of the season, once Mostert likely gets injured, listen, I hate projecting injury. I hate it. I don't do it. But I think there's a good chance that Raheem Mostert will get injured at some point throughout the season because the season's very long and Mostert's pretty injury prone. And Trey Sermon could take over that backfield. Seriously, he could take over that backfield. Think about how good a non-RBBC Trey Sermon San Francisco 49ers backfield would be. Listen, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think he's going to be this some some kind of Kyle Shanahan bell cow because that doesn't happen. It's never happened and never will. But if he gets 60% of the carries for that team, 70% of the carries for that team, Trey Sermon will finish as an RB1. <laughs> it's not going to happen. But if it did, it'd be fantastic. And the reason I'm getting Trey Sermon at this really cheap ADP and redraft is because I think there will be points in the season where Trey Sermon will be elite for fantasy football. And he's at a super cheap price. By the time you're getting Trey Sermon in your draft, you hopefully will already have two or three really good running backs. Sermon will be a good flex play for a lot of the season. And if Raheem Mostert ever goes down or if he just kind of wins the job for Mostert, which is also possible because Sermon's a very talented running back, He's going to be a monster for your fantasy teams. And I think that Sermon's price is, once again, just really cheap compared to the value that he could be providing for your team. So go and roster Trey Sermon in your redraft league, friends. He is very cheap for his price. Moving on to our final segment of the day, friends. Uh, two late-round wide receiver targets I'm really looking at right now. First up, the uh, once again, a God, I can't talk. perennially underrated player, Marvin Jones. Actually, both these guys are perennially Preenally, oh my gosh, let's, let's have a segment here how I can't pronounce pronounce this word. Preenally, that's not even how you say it. I don't know. Every year, <laughs> every every year they're underrated. Marvin Jones and Brandon Cooks from the Houston Texans and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Marvin Jones is a touchdown machine. He always has been. He always will be. He always seems to get it done. He's not the most consistent guy for fantasy football. But he will, I guarantee you, he'll have a 25-plus point fantasy game this year. In best ball especially, Marvin Jones is a fantastic add to your team. Like I just said, every single season, just think about it. Have you? Can you think of a season that Marvin Jones didn't have at least two or three huge blow-up weeks? Every year, there's at least two or three. Every year, I swear. 
there's always at least two or three games where he's over 20 points. And if that happens for your best ball teams, that's just cash money, especially at his really, really late ADP. But in redraft, I'm also looking to draft, uh, roster Marvin Jones because if injuries happen for your team, Marvin Jones establishes himself as a wide receiver one or two in Jacksonville and Trevor Lawrence is having a nice rookie season. Could be really nice. I think it's just going to be easy fantasy points. Marvin Jones is, it's low-hanging fruit, sure. But Marvin Jones is an excellently talented wide receiver. And I think that he, uh, you know, he's been very consistent for a long time. And I think that he's going to produce again and uh, outproduce his ADP once again. And the, speaking of the king of producing, sorry, outproducing your ADP, Brandon Cooks. You ever heard of him? Brandon Cooks is an absolute stud. And he has been traded like 50,000 times in his career. He always has over 1,000 yards. He always is really solid for fantasy. And think about it. Cooks, he doesn't even feel that good last season. Like, let me look up his stats. Brandon Cooks, it felt gross last year. If you had Brandon Cooks, it did not feel great. Seriously, because every, everyone going into last season was like, okay, is it going to be Brandon Cooks or is it going to be Will Fuller? Was it going to be Brandon Cooks or Will Fuller? They're going right back and forth uh, in their ADPs for redraft last season. I'm pretty sure they were either uh, right next to each other. Guys, he finishes the wide receiver 16 in PPR. Wide receiver 16 in PPR. Sure, he had Deshaun Watson. I get it. It's going to be Tyrod Taylor or Davis Mills or somebody in tech and uh, in Houston. I get it. It's going to be nasty. If Brandon cooks finished as a fringe wide receiver one last season, and he's going really, really late in redraft leagues, super late. I don't understand why the quarterback play is gross. I know Deshaun Watson is associated with the organization and that feels yucky. I totally get it, but there's fantasy value to be had in Houston. Great fantasy value. People produce on bad teams all the time. Look at James Robinson last season. I'm not saying that's going to be that level of production and that elite of fantasy production at all. But listen, it happens. And Brandon Cooks is a very talented Pro Bowl, pro bowl caliber wide receiver in years past. He gets 1,000 yards like it's nothing. He gets 1,000 yards every time I take a breath. That's how good he is. I just think that he's an extremely talented uh, real-life wide receiver. Very good fantasy wide receiver as well. And he is definitely going to outproduce his ADP. He's probably being drafted as like the wide receiver 30 something off the board. There's no way in hell he finishes that low. There's just no way. He's easy, easy, easy top 30 potential every single year, every single time. Don't even think about it. Don't even think twice. I feel comfortable reaching on him over above his ADP in redraft. I feel extremely happy every time I get him. It's just so, so cheap and I love it. Yeah. What's up bulldogs in the chat from Twitch. Appreciate you coming through the stream, man. Uh, have a good night. Anyway, um, yeah, I mean, those are those are my late round sleepers. Uh, that does it for today's show. In summary, uh, some players I think that could break out next season: Jerry Judy, Michael Pittman, Chase Claypool, or Jalen Rager all could have some good potential to break out next year. Uh, Rojo, James Conner, and Trey Sermon are really cheap late round running back targets. I'm really looking at in best ball and in redraft leagues, especially best ball for Trey Sermon. By the way, Trey Sermon and best ball could be an absolute stud muffin. Uh, and then uh, and redraft for wide receivers, Brandon Cooks and Marvin Jones, two guys who are outproducing their ADP. Let's see if I can say the word perennially. I think that's how you say it. I don't know. Anyway, every year they outproduce their ADP and give you great value for your fantasy team. So look, be on the lookout for those guys. Thank you guys so much for listening to the second episode of Hooked on Fantasy. We'll be here every Tuesday and Thursday year round. Follow me over on Twitter at Luke Sawhook. And um, yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. I'll see you on Thursday for another episode of Hooked on Fantasy. I'll see you guys all later. Have a great night. Goodbye.